Hey there, Story Sister, and welcome back. It's time for episode 72, and today we're doing an audience Q&A session. So I'm really excited to address some of the questions that you sent in. And just before we get into it, I wanna mention that I'm away from home right now, so I'm not recording in my regular space. So if this episode sounds a little bit different, that could be the reason. So I hope you'll bear with me. But today's session is gonna be really exciting because the three questions that I'm gonna focus on really are relevant to most of us, I think, in the audience who are listening. So I wanna specifically thank Kathy, Peggy, and Steph for supplying today's questions. And the reason that I chose these three questions is because I know that there are others of you who have asked themselves the same thing. So be sure to stay tuned to hear about everything from how to focus your business on a product or service that people actually need to building a more effective marketing strategy, as well as how to make time to start a business even if you're fully employed. And maybe you've got a couple kids on the side. So the questions we're covering today are pretty great and they're all challenges that I've encountered in my own life as well. So I'm excited to share some of my thoughts with you today. But just before we dive in, I wanna mention that if you have a question you want answered, feel free to reach out to me on Facebook or Instagram at Power Your Platform. Or you can contact me through our website at any time at powerherplatform.com. If it's a question that I've already addressed in this podcast, then I'd be happy to highlight that for you. But if not, let's set up a session so that we can get the answers you need and help you move your idea forward. For now, let's get into today's Q&A. Welcome to Power Your Platform, the podcast for women who are building bold story brands. I'm your host and story coach, Carrie Ramsey. Each week, we'll explore big ideas about brand building and shine a spotlight on courageous women just like you who are owning their story, following their purpose, and changing the world. Whether you're a story starter, a story builder, or a story pro, this podcast is for you. I'll help you move your mindset from uncertain to unstoppable and provide you with the storytelling tools you need to make a real impact. Because we all have a story to tell and somewhere someone is waiting to hear yours. Join us each week for inspiring interviews, aha moments, and step-by-step -step action plans that will provide the framework to help you create your very own purpose-driven platform. Are you with me? All right, it's time to power up. The first question today comes from Kathy, who's a graphic designer. And Kathy sent me a message that says, I find streamlining the main goal of my business is a difficult process. What I want to do isn't in demand of my time and services. So how do I make this transition? Okay, so such a great question, Kathy. And you're not alone in struggling with how to find the right audience for what you really love to do. I should mention that since Kathy posted this question on our Instagram page, she and I have actually done a few coaching sessions together and we've really gotten to the heart of her question more specifically. And so I can't wait for her to share with the world the direction that her new business is taking. Because here's the thing, 
Success in business comes when we match what we love to do and what we're really good at with someone who needs that product or service and is willing to pay for it. So those are the major components. Let's take a closer look because I recently came across the concept of Ikigai, which was introduced to me by one of my clients, Chantel. Now, I had heard about parts of Ikigai before, but this Japanese concept brought it all together for me. And so I hope it's helpful for you too as I explain it. And in case you're a visual person like me, I'm gonna post a graphic which shows the Ikigai at a glance. And I'm gonna do that inside our free Power Your Platform Facebook group. So you can head there after the show or just click on the show notes for the direct link. So Ikigai is Japanese for a reason for being. And it's comprised of four main parts. Number one, what you love. Number two, what you're good at. Number three, what the world needs. And number four, what you can be paid for. So if you've got a pen and paper handy, you can actually write down those four categories in a notebook if you like. According to the Ikigai model, when what you do intersects with what you're good at and what the world needs and what you can be paid for, there is true reason for being. In this case, a reason for being in business. And I think that we can all think of things we love to do that the world really has no need for, right? For instance, I love to take long walks in the woods, but the rest of the world doesn't really need for me to take long walks in the woods, right? That's a personal thing I enjoy. Unless I were to form a forest walking group and invite others to join me, then maybe I'll have others with me on my walks because they too crave peace and tranquility but they might still not pay me for it. However, if I were to train as a certified forest therapy guide and offer an hour-long forest bathing experience at a particular price point, then I would likely attract paying clients looking to de-stress and reconnect with nature based on the principles of forest therapy. You see the difference between me walking in the woods by myself and my, me as a trained certified forest therapy guide taking others with me at a paid price point. Now, I know people would pay for this, by the way, because I've paid for it. In fact, I organized a networking event for women a couple years ago, and we were led by a certified forest therapy guide along some local trails. And it was complete with a forest bathing experience, which was pretty awesome and a really cool way, actually, to have a networking event. Now, the key is to figure out your ikigai, whatever industry you might be in. And of course, a big part of this is talking to your prospective customers and then experimenting with new ideas along the way. So here are the five simple steps that I would follow. Number one, decide what you'd love to do. Number two, double check that you have the skills to do it. Number three, identify the solution you're providing and the problem you're solving. Number four, be clear about who your product or service is for. And number five, determine a fair price point and make your paid offer. 
Now, the key really is to trust yourself and your skills. And I realize that's a huge mindset thing. Um, and once you do trust yourself and your skills, then you want to position your product or service as the solution for the struggle your audience is experiencing, right? Because then they're going to realize, hey, this is something I need. When it comes to determining a fair price point, this can be tricky, but I regularly meet with my clients to determine this as well. Obviously, it's on a case-by-case -case basis. There is you know, a market value for sure. And the best advice I would offer is that when I work with my clients, we set a price and then we're a little bit flexible. So at the beginning, we experiment a little bit to find out what the best traction point is. And then whatever that might be, we go with that. So I hope this helps you give uh, get some ideas really to get started. If you, like Kathy, are struggling to figure out how to get paid for what you love to do. And remember, if you're spinning your wheels trying to figure it out on your own, feel free to reach out to me and let's book a coaching session to help you find your Ikigai. So great question, Kathy. Thank you so much for sharing it with us. I hope it helps you and others to start zeroing in on your core business idea. The second question for today's Q&A session comes from Peggy, who's an author, an illustrator, and a professor. Peggy says, I feel like I can do more, be more effective, and build a strategy. I want to do more. I'm just not sure where to start. I'm so busy and I have so many ideas. So raise your hand if you can relate to Peggy's question. Don't we all feel like we could be doing more? <laughs> I know I do it a lot of the time. The thing to remember is that we don't necessarily have to spend more of our time and energy on more things when it comes to marketing in particular. We really just need to focus on the right things. And this is especially true, like I say, when it comes to marketing. After all, there are only so many hours in the day, right? And if you're building a business on the side of your regular nine to five job, well, then time and energy management are absolutely crucial. My recommendation is to clearly identify your ideal audience and then focus on the key marketing tools that will move the dial for them specifically. In other words, it's not about reaching everyone. It's about reaching the right one. And once you know who your ideal client is, then it really does help you make better decisions when it comes to marketing tools and how often to use them and what time of day and even what the content should look like. And if you're not sure where your audience gets their information, then go ahead and ask them. Don't be shy. You could do this through an online survey, a social media poll, or by reaching out and just talking to people one-on-one -on -one who fit your ideal customer profile. The good news is that you don't need to be using every marketing tool out there. And I know Peggy has experience using many different ones, but it really does get overwhelming and we start to run out of time, right? Instead, let's focus on the tools that matter most to our ideal client. And then the other secret, I guess, that I have, which isn't so secret because I've actually done a whole podcast episode on it, is this idea of repurposing, right? If you want to really um, make the most of your time, then you can create one piece of content 
and repurpose it in different ways across different platforms. Again, choosing the ones that are ideally suited for your target market. And if you want to hear more about this idea of maximizing your time with repurposing, then head back to episode 29 because that whole episode is dedicated to that topic in particular. So when it comes to strategy, which you've mentioned, Peggy, in your question, I agree this is an important part of any marketing plan. It starts with who you're trying to reach and, of course, why you're trying to reach them. For instance, if you're trying to book new clients, then you'll want to make sure that you're including client testimonials and samples of your work across your marketing channels. Don't forget to include a call to action in every single marketing post, whether that call to action is to visit your website or comment below or even share this with a friend. An engaged audience will eventually turn into a paying audience assuming they fit your ideal customer profile, of course. It might take them a while to convert, and that's the thing to remember, right? It can take time. This is a long game, but they'll get there eventually if you're patient and if you're consistent. So if you've been trying to get your word out there for like, let's say a month or even two months, don't give up. It can take up to six months for people to figure out that first of all, you exist, and secondly, to understand what you're offering, and then to have the aha moment, oh, wait a minute, what she's offering I actually need, right? So play the long game, be consistent, and just keep up showing up regularly on the marketing platforms and visibility tools that you've identified as being important to your core customer. And when your customers engage with your posts, this is another tip, which is to be sure to respond and engage with them. Remember, when you put, put a post up there, right, you're starting a conversation. So if someone comes back with a comment or a question, it's kind of rude to leave them hanging. It's kind of like inviting them to your party and then leaving them out in the cold. So keep the conversation going, build that relationship because relationships are at the heart of every successful brand or business. And relationships are built one person at a time. There's no quick way around it. There's no magic bullet. And in fact, wouldn't you want to have a business that's based on solid relationships, right? That's going to build brand loyalty. And in the end, those, those people are going to become customers and ultimately raving fans who are going to help you spread the word about your business. So that's ultimately, right, what you want to achieve. All right, so I hope this helps address your question, Peggy, about doing more and making the most of your time and energy. Like I say, it's something we all struggle with, so thanks so much for bringing it up. Okay, so our third and final question comes from Steph. And Steph sent me an Instagram message that reads, I have the entrepreneurial itch, but having two kids makes it difficult for me to even get my regular paying job done. So how do you fill your soul and create the content you want to make on the side when you've got a full-time job, two kids, and a career to manage? Oh, Steph, this one hits so close to home because if I look back over my shoulder just a few years ago, I was square stand in in your shoes. I was exactly there. So here's what I learned. Timing is everything. 
Life happens in seasons and the busy hands-on mom stage can definitely be overwhelming at the best of times. But it doesn't last forever, I promise. Like it can be really chaotic, especially in those early years, but it does settle down and find a rhythm. I remember so well the days of having two little ones under my feet and dreaming at the same time of owning my own business. And back then I was employed full time as a college professor. So part of me wondered, is it even selfish to want more? I've really got a great job. I have my summers off. Why is there this itch? And Steph, you mentioned that so I can totally relate. But over time, I realized that that itch really was, you know, my inner, I guess, intuition or my inner spirit knowing I had more to offer the world. And so, no, it wasn't selfish of me to want to add value to the lives of others. And in my case, I was focusing on women speakers, leaders and entrepreneurs in particular. So looking back, I can see that even when my kids were small, I was making regular deposits into my creative bank that I would later draw on to build and grow the business that I own today. And one of those regular deposits that I made into my creative bank was reading business related books and articles and even watching YouTube channels and different shows on Netflix, you know, even if it was about the life of an outstanding woman entrepreneur. My bookshelves filled up really quickly with the stories of women who had launched businesses and one by one, I paid attention to their stories and I took notes about their life lessons and you know what this could mean for me once I was in the right place and time of my life to launch my own business. Now, let me stop here. I'm not saying that just because you have little ones, you can't start a business because you absolutely can. And many women do. But I want to acknowledge how exhausting the season of early motherhood can be. And if you do decide to launch a business during this phase of your life, then be sure to surround yourself with a support team who can help you cover all the bases, right? And sure, your life partner can definitely be a huge part of that support group. So be really honest and upfront and say, hey, I'm looking to build this. I can't do it on my own you definitely need to pick up some of the slack if they're not already doing that. But there's other options, of course, as well, which is like to hire a house cleaner or have a home delivery meal service. And, you know, hey, don't forget about nannies and virtual assistants. These are all a part of what could become your support team. Again, in this early stage of, you know, motherhood, I guess, when your kids are still small and really needy before, let's say, they head to school. So there's lots of qualified professionals out there that you could bring onto your team. And I know in the early years, usually the budget is lean. I get that. But look for different ways that you could get creative because, you know, my strong advice is that you not attempt to do it alone. If you're actually lifting off the business, you know, your kids are going to be in their very high need stage of life. So look at it as a chapter that the page will eventually turn. But if you don't, and if you're trying to do it all, the end result is definitely gonna be burnout and you're just gonna feel like a failure. So I guess there's one of two ways to go at it. Like I said, the first was the tactic that I took, which is to make you know, regular deposits into my creative bank. So even though I hadn't launched the business, I was learning, I was honing my skills, I was getting ready, right? And on the other hand, 
you could launch, but you're just going to have to make sure you're surrounded with enough people to help you do what you need to do. I should mention that getting back to those creative deposits, another deposit I made when I was a young mom and, and I was planning my first business was really to get excellent at what I wanted to eventually sell, which in my case was content creation skills and marketing. So in the business I'm in, being really great at communication and growing an audience is vital for what I do. And those are the skills I worked on for years before I ever launched my own brand. And the way I defined or refined my skills in this area was, for instance, I was blogging regularly for the organization I worked for. I was creating social content all the time, whether for my own feeds or for the feeds of my nine to five job. And I did this work as a part of that regular paying job, which was great because at the same time, I was making deposits right into my own creative bank and my skills were getting stronger every day. The thing was, eventually I knew these were skills I would need to run my own business. And if you're not sure what skills you need, then like I say, read other women's stories, watch uh, YouTube channels, listen to this podcast, listen to the interviews, talk to women, go to networking events, right? That's the way that you can pick up great tips about how you could be preparing at this very moment for your future business. Now, I just mentioned actually the third way that you could be making deposits into your creative bank, and that is by building your professional network. Honestly, I think women are incredible when it comes to relationship building. And I should mention that most of my networking never happened at official networking events, right? It rarely does, I feel. Instead, it came from collaborating with the people around me, people I knew, and also by creative creating positive experiences for those who I was connected with, whether those were individuals in my network, maybe businesses or other associations, and maybe they were just looking for someone to volunteer or to help out with an event. And so trust me, nothing will make you more memorable than supporting someone when they need you most. So those are the three ways I recommend building your business stuff, even if you're at a busy stage of life. So to quickly recap those three ways that we talked about making deposits into your creative bank, number one, learn continuously, whether it's through books or articles, podcasts, or other resources. Number two, hone your skills as they relate to the business that you want to launch. And number three, build your network and be engaged with those who are a part of it. Because it really does come down to timing and you'll know when the time is right because it's it might be tomorrow, it might be three months from now or even three years from now. But in the meantime, you can be making important deposits into your creative bank knowing that it's gonna pay off in the long run. So I hope this helps with your questions, Steph. And for those of you who are listening who are in a similar phase of life and wondering, when is it my turn? When can I get started? To that, I would say you can get started this very minute because getting started looks different for everyone and that's okay. Determine what you have the time and energy to do now to prepare for what comes next and then do that. And if you do just a little bit every day, then a year from now, you're going to thank yourself for making that investment in yourself and in your business. 
Okay, so I want to say a sincere thank you to Kathy, Peggy, and Steph, who provided such great questions for today's Q&A episode. I have no doubt that at least one of these questions resonated with you as a listener in a big or a small way. And if it did, I would love to hear about it. So make sure to reach out to me and let me know what your key takeaway was from today's episode. You can message me on Instagram or Facebook at Power Your Platform or visit PowerHerPlatform.com. And let's connect today. so much for listening in to today's episode. I hope at least one of the questions we discussed today connected with you in some big or small way and helped you determine a way to move your own idea forward. And if you did enjoy today's episode, then be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. When you do, we'll be able to reach even more women and help them get their story started. Until next time, keep owning your story, following your purpose, and raising your voice. Because the world is waiting to hear your story.